Cannabis is medicine. This is not just my opinion. It's the title of Dr. Bonnie Goldstein's second book, and the subtitle is How Medical Cannabis and CBD Are Healing Everything from Anxiety to Chronic Pain. This is a book you should pick up because it breaks down the latest science and serves as a practical guide, not just for patients, but for medical practitioners too. A lot of us have questions about how and why to integrate CBD or cannabis into our care. This episode is for you, and if you've been meaning to have the cannabis conversation with your doctor, Dr. Goldstein's book is a good thing to have under your arm when you go into the office. Whether you're a subscriber or first-time listener, please stop by and see us at cannaboomwithak.com. We are focused on how cannabinoids and CBD can help you achieve better wellness, and importantly, how to find CBD that's trusted and reliable. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, and please do leave a review so other people can find the show. Thanks to our producer, Danny, in Milwaukee. Here's my interview with Dr. Bonnie Goldstein. Cannabis is booming, and Cannaboom is on it. Welcome to the Cannaboom Podcast, where we interview experts on the changing story of humans, health, and hemp. From San Diego, here's your host, Tom Stacy. Hey, it's Tom. Welcome back to the Cannaboom Podcast. Today, we have Dr. Bonnie Goldstein. Hey, Bonnie, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. You are medical director of Canna Centers, uh, based in California, a practice devoted to educating patients about the use of cannabis for serious and chronic medical conditions. You've also recently published your second book called Cannabis is Medicine. Can you tell us more about how you came to be the doctor who writes cannabis books? Uh, sure. Well, so after a number of years uh, working in pediatric emergency medicine uh, in downtown LA, I was a bit burned out and I took a little time off and during that time, a friend who was going through a, a pretty serious medical condition asked me about cannabis. Um, and I, uh, this is about 2007, 2008-ish, and I really didn't know anything. I mean, I had been a, a doctor already for about, my goodness, uh, 18 years or so, 17, 18 years, and I just wasn't on my radar. Um, I knew California had cannabis, uh, medical cannabis laws, but I just hadn't really come across um, uh, in terms of what I was doing at the time. And then she asked me about it. So I said, well, let me look into it, you know. Um, so I did some research and I couldn't believe what I was reading, that there was this uh, endocannabinoid system that no one ever talked about or I never learned about in school, a major physiologic um, uh, regulator of human health, basically. Um, and uh, so I started reading. I was intrigued. And I've always been a bit of a science geek. So I helped her. And I was also at the time, you know, in my in my personal life, looking to figure out a way not to be working such crazy hours and in such a crazy place, especially as a mom and a wife. So I started working in a medical cannabis office, and I just fell in love with the practice. And again, since I'm kind of a science geek, I delve in uh, fully. Um, and I just read everything I could read. Um, one of the things I noticed when I first started out was the patients knew, nor knew more than me. And they were educating me. So I decided I better catch up. So I again, I started reading, going to conferences. And, um, you know, uh, just decided to write a book after a, a you know, a number of years later, a patient said to me, every time I come see you, I learn all this stuff. Where can I get this information? And it just kind of dawned on me, maybe I should start sharing the information that I'm finding, not just the research, because anybody can find it online, but really how to apply that research to a clinical practice 
to really make a difference in somebody's quality of life. There's so much ignorance based on the 100 years of prohibition, but there is some research going on, probably not as many clinical studies as people in medicine like you would like, but it is happening. So it's sort of a, a moving target at this point, I guess. Yeah, no question. Um, one of the things I always share with people is I'm pretty conservative physician. Look, I took care of all, uh, children. I trained at uh, Children's Hospital Los Angeles. I was chief resident there. I went on to do critical care transport. I, I took my oath of do no harm quite seriously, uh, try to do the best I can to give patients you know, the best possible care. I've always practiced medicine that way, and I kind of felt like this was no different. But one of the things that you know, we say, oh, we don't have evidence of this and we don't have evidence of that. And th there's, it's true. We're missing a lot of information. Um, but the one thing that we know that uh, people who take cannabis, uh, people who uh, um, work in the field of cannabis and uh, certainly doctors who are recommending cannabis to their patients. And if you listen to your patients and you follow up with them closely and you you bother to kind of learn about it like you learn about any medicine, you learn that really it is extraordinarily safe. And especially when someone's between a rock and a hard place, uh, for instance, you know, children that come see me who've been on 10 different seizure medicines and they're still having 50 seizures a day. Um, I know CBD is going to be safe for that child, whether it's going to work or not is the question, right? Or is any cannabis compound going to work for that child? Um, but when we, anytime we're recommending treatments or prescribing uh, medicine, we always, as physicians, good physicians, always look at benefit versus risk. And certainly uh, the benefits can be quite great. And I will share with you at even giving cannabis to children under medical supervision, the risk is very low. And I think that is why kind of the uh, lay person industry is and laws are kind of outpacing the science at this point. It's time for the science to catch up, though. And that's a good place to begin is you hear a lot of cannabis advocates mention that, you know, no one has ever died. There's no record of anyone having died from an overdose of this. And you in the book, you bring up lethal dose, the LD50 calculation. Almost anything could be lethal in a large enough dose, right? That's correct. And with cannabis, we know, well, again, so you have to look at the mechanism of action of how death is caused by, uh, by drugs, okay? So, for instance, we all know that people across our country are dropping dead from uh, opioid overdoses. So how does that work? Well, you have opioid receptors in the air of your brain that control breathing, your, your respiratory rate. And if you take, now, by the way, those opioid receptors are not, do not exist in our brains for synthetic opioids or even for the opium plant. It, that, that's not why we have them. We have them because we make endorphins. Okay. The, and and it, we, we make the compound that binds to the receptor, just like we make serotonin for our serotonin receptors and dopamine for our dopamine receptors. So there are no uh, uh, cannabinoid receptors, which is where THC binds uh, in our brains in order to cause the well-known effects of like intoxication and decreased pain and sleepiness and less anxiety and so on. Those receptors do not exist in the part of your brain that controls your 
breathing. So you will not go into respiratory arrest and stop breathing from cannabis. I've heard it said that you could drink enough water to, to kill yourself, but with cannabis, you'd have to intake an incredible dose. Exactly. And, you know, um, my friend, Dr. Dustin Sulak, who's in, who practices in Maine, uh, ha- I've heard him speak numerous times. And he says, you know, scientists have been trying to kill primates with cannabis, uh, with THC for years, and we're just not able to do it because uh, unless you were really, I guess, force fed, but still, even then the mechanism of action is not there, meaning the target in the brain does not result in um, in uh, fatality, but you would fall asleep before you could take so much cannabis. I mean, you, you, you've some literature that's a little bit older says you'd have to smoke fifteen hundred pounds of THC in fifteen minutes. I mean, it's just not. It's just ridiculous. Um, the CDC stopped counting uh, deaths from marijuana just because there aren't any. So, um, you know, I th- and again, safe. It's not just oh, I won't die from this, but what else won't happen? And when we look at medications, you know, we know people that, again, take all different kinds of medications, can have liver issues, you can have kidney issues. You know, early in my career as a cannabis physician, a gentleman came in who was 51 years old, who had uh, pretty bad arthritis from when he was younger. Um, And, you know, maybe it was autoimmune, uh, I can't recall the exact details, but he started taking non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen and naproxen over the counter. And we assume, oh, over the counter must be safe. And at 51, he had come into my office and said, I was told that I can no longer take non-steroidal anti-inflammatories for my joint pain because my kidneys are shutting down. Now, it wasn't with the first dose. It was over 20 years, but he took them daily. And he actually started to cry because he said, I can't believe it. I went to the doctor to follow up on my blood work and they made an appointment for me at the dialysis clinic. He goes, and Mm. nobody ever said anything about stopping. He goes, and I went and did my own research and it's clearly from this because I'm otherwise a pretty healthy guy. So you see, we have to be very careful benefit, benefit versus risk for all things. But again, with cannabis, especially under medical supervision, you know, all these compounds are, are, are very safe. I think the biggest concern is if you are taking medications for other uh, conditions, you have to be careful about CBD potentially causing a drug interaction. And people do need to be aware of that. Absolutely. And seizure medicines, blood thinners, um, certain new immunotherapies or, or chemotherapies for cancer. Uh, it's just a good idea to make sure that anybody taking medications uh goes over, you know, especially if they're going to take, it's usually a high dose CBD interaction. It's not low doses, like, you know, under 25 milligrams usually won't cause a problem with other drugs. But again, you want to make sure that you're not causing a drug to become toxic or ineffective by using CBD, high dose CBD, especially uh, with other medications. Those contraindications that you want to avoid. You mentioned your early uh, career in pediatrics, and this has come up in several interviews that I've done 
I did one a couple weeks ago with a pediatric nurse. Sanjay Gupta was there with his CNN special, I think it was called Weed, around 2011 or so, where they identified epilepsy, pediatric epilepsy, and I think autism is kind of related to that. And that seemed to be like a tipping point. Have you noticed that in terms of public acknowledgement that this is a legitimate medicine? Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Gupta came out and said, this is why I changed my mind. I used to be against cannabis and now I'm pro-cannabis. And he shared that story about little Charlotte Figgy in Colorado who had a severe pediatric epilepsy caused by a genetic syndrome. And basically she was you know, sent home to die and her mother uh, managed to get a hold of some CBD uh, plant, uh, cannabis plant material, got it turned into oil and gave it to her, and it changed everything uh, for her. It slowed her seizures down. It's not magic. It's just that we, it appears that CBD, uh, you know, has all these different targets in the brain that help with what we call neuroexcitatory conditions. And there's no question that kind of, you know, Dr. Gupta put the mainstream approval there. It was after that special, which I actually believe was August 2013, after that special that I started um, getting inundated with phone calls, you know, do you see children? And remember my background's pediatrics and I did pediatric ER and critical care. So I'm very comfortable with children who are, uh, ill, um, and who are on uh, a multitude of other medicines who have complex issues. And so I just started seeing those kids cause they really had no other place to go. And, I had already seen a few kids that were having a good result. The big problem at the time was actually getting a hold of good quality uh, CBD medicine, you know, cannabis medicine. And it's interesting, the market responded, didn't it? Look how quickly. Now there's, you know, hundreds of uh, cannabis, uh, CBD cannabis products on the market. It sort of opened the door. I mean, who could be against a medicine that can save little kids from seizuring? To me, it opened the door. Okay, if it's good for that, Maybe people are talking about PTSD. It's good for that. And, you know, when I looked at your book and I looked at the table of contents, I think there was 26 conditions that, that you wrote about from anti-anxiety to traumatic brain injury and, and a lot of things in between. It's obviously a very versatile medicine, too. Yes, it is. And it's funny because there are some people say, oh, how can cannabis do all that? And look, I'm the first to say it's not a panacea, Okay. Uh, not everybody responds. And that would be curious to know what is, I'd love to see a study uh, to understand the pe people who don't respond to it, right? Is it an absorption issue? Is it a receptor issue? You know, really what's going on with those people? But um, it, the reason that it is a crossover uh, across what we call, you know, the body system. So remember, anxiety is a, is a brain issue, right? And um, arthritis is a joint issue, and Crohn's disease is a gastrointestinal is issue coming from an immune, uh, autoimmune um, uh, etiology. So you kind of look and say, how is it that something can treat all this, right? We're used to drugs like, you know, you take penicillin because you have strep throat. You don't take penicillin when you have back pain. So how is it possible that these compounds can do this. And again, it goes it boils down to the location of the endocannabinoid uh, system. And uh, someone once uh, wrote uh, location of the receptors informs function. So, you know, where these receptors are located tells us uh, what uh, 
the endocannabinoid system is trying to do. And remember, the endocannabinoid system is the system that is just uh, working in our body to help maintain balance. And um, when we're thrown off balance by an infection or inflammation or um, a genetic disorder, even um, by um, an in, a traumatic insult, like a head injury of some sort, our endocannabinoid system goes into action trying to to right the imbalance, trying to you know get us back, tell those cells, hey, stop sending the wrong message, send the right message. Um, it's basically a feedback loop. It's our our internal um, um, physiology trying to respond to whatever's coming at us. And it's, it's just a fascinating system. And, you know, it's really located all over. It's, it, it's densely populated in your brain and your gut and your immune system, but it's also located in your connective tissue and in your liver and in your heart and in your kidneys. And, you know, it's all over. And so, uh, that is why, um, when we list all the conditions, it's almost, almost uh, incredible, uh, uh, to think that, that these compounds can work in so many different places. But, uh, remember we don't have our endocannabinoid system for this plant. We have it as a tool to help keep us well. And by using the plant, we are just trying to augment, um, the system, trying to help that system get back into balance with a little bit of help. And that is key to people understanding that this isn't a snake oil that people are pitching for whatever ails you. It is something that works with the way our bodies work. The incredible thing to me is, I don't know if this is still true, but a year or two ago, someone told me that only 15% of medical schools are even teaching about the endocannabinoid system. So it's not well understood even in the medical profession. Well, understood is different than kind of accepted. I think, unfortunately, my colleagues in the medical field are the last to kind of get on board. Um, I don't think patients are really, or people are really struggling anymore. I hear about this all the time. I was joking around one day with somebody and I said, I'm on a, obviously before COVID in a restaurant, the people behind me are talking about CBD. I was on a plane, the guy in front of me, starts a conversation with his neighbor about cannabis. I mean, it's just everybody's talking about it. And I think, um, you know, again, going back to the medical community, we just don't have the freedom because of this maintain, you know, the continued schedule one status. We don't have the freedom to do the research that we need to really know. Uh, when like people come in to see me sometimes with really rare conditions, and they'll say, can cannabis help? And then I think, okay, so ultimately, you know, what does this person's rare condition boil down to? I mean, they're having pain. Well, cannabis can help with that. They're not sleeping. Cannabis can help with that. They're um, uh, super anxious and depressed. Cannabis can help with that. Will it help with the, with the underlying condition? Sometimes I have to say, look, there's no studies. We don't know. Um, but at the same time, might it give that person a quality of life? that makes it easier for them to deal with their, let's say, incurable, you know, rare condition. Well, sure, it, it, it could be. And again, going back to it's safe, well, certainly worth a try. And again, especially with medical supervision, I, I don't see any reason why not. My colleagues seem to, you know, I shouldn't say all of them, but many, many people in the medical field are still skeptical. And part of it is that when you go back to medical school, one, we didn't learn it. And two, what we actually were taught was the opposite, is that 
cannabis is a drug of abuse. And yes, there are people who abuse it, but it is very rarely, in fact, almost never, that it is a someone using it for medical reasons who is abusing it. And if they are, I've had people come in and kind of explain how they're using it. And I say, you know, this kind of looks like abuse. That's not their intention. They just don't know what they're doing. But I wouldn't expect someone to go out into a, a pharmacy and walk through the aisles of the pharmacy. Oh, let me just take a little of this and let me take a little of that. And I don't really know what this does, but let me take a little bit of that. Uh, Self-medicating with cannabis um, can work. And again, it, it, you're not going to harm yourself with that, but you may not find what works for you. And certainly at that point, if cannabis isn't helping, you might need medical supervision, meaning just someone to say, hey, this is what I've tried and it didn't work. Where should I go from here? And and again, that's why cannabis specialty for those of us who practice in this field is has kind of become a thing. It seems to me you're sort of on the vanguard. I mean, stepping into the breach in between this world that still politically we we still have it as a Schedule One substance with no redeeming medicinal value, and here you are legitimately saying first do no harm. And this is a less harmful alternative than, than some of the pharmacological agents that are dispensed every day. For you, you, you don't have all of the research you'd like, but you know that this is going to reduce suffering for some people. Yeah, there's no question about that. And the other thing is that slowly but surely in other, from other countries and just a teeny tiny bit in the United States, we are getting studies. Look, this whole CBD for epilepsy for children movement led to the approval and the FDA in the United States fast-tracking a, a CBD uh, pharmaceutical, which is now covered by insurance. And for those uh, families for whom it works, and or let's say they're in a state where they uh, can't get approval to use cannabis, or they don't have a physician to help them with the whole plant cannabis, meaning the, the one that we're kind of using under the medical cannabis laws, um, we now have a, a pharmaceutical to use. Now, I personally per, would err on the side of using the whole plant, but at the same time, everything should be on the table for a child um, that has uh, severe epilepsy. We know that every time they have a seizure, you multiply those, you compound them over time, you put in drugs that have toxic side effects, that child's brain is uh not going to respond well. We know what prolonged seizures do. We know what harsh chemicals do. There's there's a big burden there uh, that that sometimes then can change the long term outcome. It appears that you know for some of my patients, certainly uh, when I see some of the patients that are older who didn't have this option versus some of the patients who are younger and have had the option, or let's say the intervention of cannabis therapy at the young age of three, four, five, when they started having terrible seizures. Um, and now look, the, uh, there's a story in the book. Uh, it's one of the first stories about a little boy named Gavin. This is a kid who's doing unbelievably well in school. My goodness. He's winning, you know, winning a, you know, self-discipline award and he's winning, uh, you know, uh, no absent days. I mean, amazing results, which he, likely would not have found with uh, pharmaceuticals, especially since he really wasn't being, uh, uh, um, who knows what would have happened had he not used cannabis at the time. 
and you read in the in the book that when he first came to see me, he was having terrible side effect from the medication he was on. He was just it, it created a, it changed his personality and the family. I'll never forget they came in the door in tears. They just couldn't live like this anymore. And so you know, look, it's just another option, albeit a very safe option. Um, and ultimately, you know. I do find that cannabis is being held to a double standard. Like it appears that it has to do better than any other drug. Like we'll accept a 30% response rate for most medications, which is pretty low um, in order to get them approved on the FDA. But for some reason, cannabis has to beat that and it has to be perfect. And, you know, and again, it comes from all that propaganda and stigma, you know, from, from back in the day. And you mentioned the story of Gavin, and I think you did a great job throughout the book in bringing anecdotes of real people and real suffering into this. You related the story of your mother who had epilepsy, and that resonates with me. My brother had epilepsy and took Dilantin, and I saw how destructive those drugs are. And and to know years later that there was this option that was always there, (laughs) it's, it's really frustrating. Right. It was taken away from us, and not for science, scientific reasons, remember. You know, we I want to talk about going and I'm not going to go into why it was taken away, but just think about that. Like this, this natural plant that you can grow in your backyard was taken away. And when it may have and a look again for thousands of years, it was used as medicine and they didn't know exactly how it worked. But, you know, there's um, a documentation of cannabis being, being used to treat infantile convulsions by Dr. William O'Shaughnessy in the 1800s. And it's just really, to me, it's criminal that it was taken away. And it's criminal that my mother in the 1960s didn't have any options whatsoever. She said, they said, here's the medicine, take it or you could die. And so she was terrified. So she took it. And ultimately, you know, we feel very lucky as a family that she's well and she's off those medicines. Um, But it, it, it angers me that that she had to suffer and she still has some leftover side effects from taking those medications for a very long time. And it just, um, you know, I don't understand what the purpose of that was. I, I, I don't, I don't get that. We're here for a short time on earth. Why wouldn't we try to help each other? And it just, you know, it, it, it kind of a different approach when you take medicine away from people. When you look at the long list of conditions, that 26 conditions, it's not just epilepsy. This prohibition affects just about everybody in the country. Um, beyond the medicinal effects, there's also a lot of people who have been arrested and incarcerated. It's just mind-boggling that we allowed all of this destruction when this plant can be so effective in helping people live better. That's right. And, you know, just the other night I was uh, gave a talk to a... Um, a group called the Cancer Support Community. It's uh, near my home in Southern California. I've been speaking at this group just about once or twice a year, every year for about uh, 10 years. And I can't believe it kind of dawned on me this, you know, just the other night I did it. It dawned on me that I've been saying the same thing for 10 years, which is there aren't any research, there's no research uh, on on human cancer in, in humans. Like we are, I I keep repeating the same thing. How is it possible that we know that the compounds in cannabis, THC, CBD, CBG, and a multitude of others can actually kill cancer cells, can block cancer cells from spreading chemicals that tell the cancer cells to metastasize, that 
inhibit growth of tumors. And this is not just one kind of cancer, but a multitude of cancers. And we know this, but yet there's one human clinical trial from Dr. Manuel Guzman in, I think, 2006 in Spain. And then that's it for being published human clinical trials. And I will share with you that just in this last month, I lost three of my pediatric cancer patients. Mm. How frustrating for me and for their parents and for everybody else that we are allowing children to die when we have this perfectly good plant that we can study. And look, it may turn out that it's only useful a tenth of the time, but okay, does that mean one tenth of children dying from pediatric cancers will not die? I'll take it. But why aren't we studying it? Why aren't we allowed to study it? And, and you know, give me a good reason why you would let a child die over uh, letting them use a plant. And I, I used to say sometimes very um, coming from a frustrated place, a child on cannabis is not worse than a dead child. We live in a broken political system, but what do you think has to happen? I mean, do we all have to become activists to move the ball forward? Is it just going to take a long, long time? Or what can we do to help expedite this process of greater acceptance of this medicine? Yeah, such a great question. So I think ultimately, when we vote, we have to look at those who are, you know, for cannabis, either legal, look, it has to be taken off the, the Controlled Substance Act. So remember, it's on Schedule 1, which you mentioned earlier as a no medicinal value. Well, we know that's not true. So we're already, and, and, that, and if you say that that's true, then you are ignoring thousands of peer-reviewed articles, okay? You're ignoring all of that. Um, you're ignoring the academies of uh, science engineering who came out uh, with a report saying it does work for pain. It does work for um, uh, chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. Even the study, and remember, all of those studies were using synthetic cannabinoids. So um, we can no longer ignore the science. I think the science is irrefutable that there is medicinal value. And I think the lack of safety, well, we know that's not true. And then the high uh, abuse potential, well, we know that's not true. And what's interesting too is that if you... Um, if people are interested, there's some new information coming out from Dr. Stacy Gruber's uh, group. Um, at, I think she's at Harvard, um, where she's published already a couple articles showing that those patients using medical cannabis actually have improved neurocognitive function compared to, you know, and she's capturing them before they start using cannabis and then testing. And she says they're the most tested group of people you ever met. She's testing the heck out of them, scanning their brains and doing memory tests and all kinds of things. And she's showing these, these really incredible results. Um, and now there's also some other long-term studies of medical cannabis patients showing there really is, you know, there really seems to be something real here, but yet we're still by saying it's a schedule one, we're ignoring all that. We're, we're saying, and to me, uh, that's wilf, that's being willfully ignorant. That's just saying, oh, I'm going to ignore the data and that's just not okay. So what do we do? We vote in people who understand that we don't want it rescheduled as a schedule two or a schedule three or four or five, because then it's prescription only. And I think, you know, look, the, the barn doors are open and the horse is long gone. 
um, we're not going to be able to to rein in all these state laws. So we should deschedule it, and there should be uh, funds, whether uh, public or private, um, to universities and to scientists who have are already have the experiments set up, the investigations ready to go. They're just waiting for funds and for approval to be able to do it. Um, you know, uh, there's a doctor here in the United States, Dr. Susan Sisley, who's doing some really great work with PTSD. I'm sure you've, you've heard of her. She had to wait three years to get her study approved. And she could only use cannabis from the University of Mississippi, which does not reflect real world cannabis that people are using. It's grown from like cannabis propagated from the 1960s. Uh, it's not what's available to, to patients or to, to people right now through state uh, 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 licensed dispensaries. So again, we have to deschedule. And then the big question is, is you know how do we do that? We keep petitioning uh, the federal government, just keep working at it. There are so many different advocacy groups that have already tried to do that. And I think that we're closer than ever at this point because we have something like 33 states that have cannabis laws. We have 11 states that have uh, legalized uh, cannabis. And we have, um, I think, four states coming up with this uh, election in uh, uh, 2020. So we just have to, um, uh, you know, keep the pressure on and try to try to change it. I, I think we're closer than ever. You mentioned in the book, too, that a lot of the research is focused on recreational use. I don't know that it's a giant schism. I mean, there's a lot of companies that are jumping in product that I don't know if it's strictly recreational or slash medicinal. There's not a bright, clear line for that. Do we need a new paradigm where we see this substance that can be used medicinally? Alcohol, I don't think it has medicinal properties, it's used recreationally, and it's very destructive. You know, if you look at how we look at pharmaceuticals, it takes, I don't know, $100 million in 10 years to develop a, a pharmaceutical. And then there's a, an atom that is used when there, a certain diagnosis is made. Do we need a completely new paradigm for this plant-based medicine? I don't think so. I don't see any reason to recreate the wheel. The plant is there. And the key is education. Educate doctors, educate medical students, educate people uh, who are ill, who are seeking information about how cannabis may or may not help them. But part of that is going to have to be the research. Um, you know, when you're designing, what, what, cannabis doesn't fit the, the gold standard, you know, the randomized controlled trial, because it's very hard to mask the taste and the smell when you're giving somebody a product, right? And be like, oh, I know that's not a placebo immediately. Um, but also you have to remember that the plant is got, it's got over 500 different compounds in it. So ultimately if I give a child, uh, uh, recommend a certain, let's say, you know, use a CBD in a 25 to one ratio and take X milligrams twice a day. And, you know, mom, let me know how it goes in a week. Um, and let's say the parent calls me and says, oh, the seizures are down by 50%. Do I assume it's the CBD in the bottle? Do I assume it's the THC that's in that bottle? Because remember, 25 to 1 ratio is a little bit of THC in there. Is it both? Is it the other cannabinoids that are in there? Is it the terpenes? Is it all of it? So cannabis is very difficult to study, but we're not so stupid that we can't figure it out. I think uh, many other countries have led the way with 
with investigating single molecules, meaning you isolate CBD and they've done this. I mean, I think Israel's done a fantastic job doing it. Italy, the UK, they're looking at what can CBD as an isolated compound do? And then you say, okay, now what does CBD, let's compare isolate CBD with CBD as the plant gives it to us with THC and linalool and some of these other terpenes. We just have to be smart about it. So I don't know that we need to recreate it or, or, or just start all over, but we have to remember that it doesn't fit the standard pharmaceutical model, and nor should it have to. I get the sense that you're, you're exceptional in your acceptance and your active participation in using this as a medicine. For most people in the United States, they're going to have to look pretty hard to find a doctor who is going to prescribe any cannabis. What advice do you have for listeners who, who may want to integrate cannabis into their, into their regimen? Well, so there's a lovely group uh, that I belong to called the Society of Cannabis Clinicians. It's been around for 20 years. And uh, the website's cannabisclinicians.org. And there is a, a link on there or a find a practitioner. And there are a lot of uh, listed MDs, but also uh, RNs and nurse practitioners who um, can at least sit down with you, go over your medications, go over what your goals are, and then at least point you in the right direction. One of the reasons I wrote the book too was to give people a roadmap, and I can't remember which chapter it is, but um, uh, the chapter called How to Use Cannabis as Medicine, chapter five, tells people kind of in a, and again, this is not to supplant medical supervision, but it, at least if you read it before you start, you kind of say, okay, I understand what I'm doing here. Now, one of the things I want people to understand is that when patients come in to a non-cannabis doctor and you get diagnosed with a condition and they pick a medication, they're picking that medication for you based on research, right, that they know, hopefully. And they're also picking uh, that medication because they have some clinical experience with it for the most part, and also because they feel comfortable with it, okay? But at the same time, if you've never taken that medication before, you have no idea what it's going to do to you. I, I myself had a medicine prescribed probably about 20 years ago and just about ended up in the emergency room because I had the worst side effects. And I called the practice, and it's after hours, so I get a different doctor, not my doctor, who says to me... Um, uh, who, who says, well, gee, I don't think I would have started with that one, which of course eroded all confidence that I had in my doctor. Um, but at the same time, the reality is, is that sometimes it takes two, three, four medicines to find the fit, right? Or to, or two or three different medicines all at once. They say, oh, okay, now I'm starting to feel better. It's no different with cannabis. You're not going to pick it. You know, you buy a bottle of CBD, let's say, and you take it and you say, well, gee, it didn't work. I mean, it's, just not that simple. There are some people who get that benefit, but that's not really the way that cannabis works. It takes time to find the regimen. And um, if I could share anything with listeners, it is, this is natural. This is not a harsh synthetic. So to expect it to fix you on day one is unrealistic. The analogy that I always use is if I'm out of shape and I go to the gym first thing tomorrow morning. I am not in shape tomorrow night. I've begun the process. 
but it's going to take some time for my body to respond, especially because it's natural. Um, you know, inflammatory conditions can respond beautifully to steroids, but why do doctors not always, you know, why do we try not to prescribe steroids? In general, all doctors who write a prescription for steroids always are thinking, okay, because it's a double-edged sword. For every benefit, there's a risk with, with steroids. And um, and it does work great when you're inflamed. I had a severe allergic reaction, you know, again, a number of years ago, and I got on steroids. And sure enough, it did help, but I had terrible side effects from it. And the big question is, is well, if I've got an inflammatory condition, can CBD help me? Sure, but it's not going to hit me like a hammer. It's going to take a little bit of time, but that's okay as long as you understand that and accept that and say to yourself, well, for this kind of trial and error and taking a little bit, a little bit of time, the best part about it is it is natural. And if I can figure out a way of uh, the products I need and the dosing I need and the timing I need, this is something I can take for a long time that is not going to give me uh, negative consequences. We've talked many times on the show about the whole test and learn aspect to this. We all have different genetics. There are different products out there. If you're talking about THC, even set and setting can make a difference. Not everybody's going to have the same experience. That's exactly right. And and a big thing is sometimes people will ask, well, what do you use to treat Parkinson's, for, you know, for instance? Well, who's Parkinson's? Are they at the beginning of Parkinson's or are they middle of Parkinson's at the end of Parkinson's? I mean, the body goes through, it's not just one disease, right? It's a, it, it, it's a disease that changes over time and, and may respond in the beginning to one regimen of cannabis and in the middle, you might have to tweak it. And at the end, and same thing with pediatric patients, I call them moving targets. These are, these children by definition are growing and changing and developing, especially their brain day to day. And what worked when they're four may not work when they're 12 and hitting puberty. They're in a completely different chemical environment. So um, it, it can be a little bit difficult, but at the same time, um, again, w have, having it, if it's, if you're uh, want it to work for you, you can usually figure out and get it to work for you. But again, you're going to have to do that little bit of, it's not just as easy as popping a pill. And I do think that, um, our very modern society, we're all a little bit trained. Oh, just pop a pill and you'll be better. And that's just, it, 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 we all are seeing what's happening to people who take pharmaceuticals long-term. Right. That whole approach of the magic bullet isn't, isn't that effective. And I like your metaphor of those of us who do go to the gym, you know, it's, it's a commitment, it's a process. And if you do follow through, you're going to feel better in the long run. Yeah, you know, my uh, I'll share my my mother's uh, story a little bit more. So um, she started to struggle with severe degenerative disc disease in her neck, uh, which, if you're not familiar with it, basically, you know, just uh, as you get old, uh, your your uh, vertebrae in your spine start to have issues, and the little discs that are the pillow cushions between the vertebrae start to deteriorate, and you can get pinched nerves and pain. And she was really miserable. She wasn't sleeping. She said, "I'm she," and she's stoic. She's a really a tough cookie. She doesn't she doesn't complain about it. that's that generation, you know. Um, and she didn't want to take pills because she had taken pills for epilepsy and was really very 
uh, happy to get off of them and would, did not want to go in a different back around two pills. So, and I, I, you know, tried to convince her to take cannabis here and there, and she was really reluctant. Again, that kind of reefer madness uh, mentality from from back in the day, and. I finally convinced her, I said, mom, I give it to kids, to little kids. I, I promise you, I, you're not going to hallucinate. You're not going to have a weird experience. It'll be just fine. Let's try to get, let's just try to get you some uh, relief. And so I started her on a CBD tincture, you know, drops under the tongue, very low dose to begin, uh, high CBD to low THC, what we call a high ratio uh, CBD to THC product. And I said, it is not going to work today or tomorrow, or maybe not even in a week, but I just need you to kind of put your blinders on and take, I got you a bottle and you just got to take it kind of until the bottle's empty. And then we'll discuss whether or not. And she took it in that first week. Okay, go up, mom, go up, go up, go up on the dose. And we just titrated up. And, you know, we have this saying, which I'm sure that many people have heard, start low and go slow, especially in my mom who's who's elderly. And just little by little, and I'll never forget that on a Sunday morning, I called to check on her. Hey, mom, how you doing? And she said to me, and it was day 21 of taking CBD oil. Prior to this, she was like, eh, I don't know if it's working. Maybe a little bit. I'm not sure. She was very vague. And on that day, she said, today is the first day in years that I have woken up without pain. It was crystal clear to her. So if you're using cannabis, you have to give it a chance to work. And if it's working, you're going to know because you know yourself. You know when things are working. I mean, when we all wake up in the morning, we kind of all know, did I have a good night's sleep or a bad night's sleep? And I think the older you get, the more you look at that, right? Because sleep is so crucial to feel having a good day and feeling well. Um, that was over five years ago for her. And... Um, here and there, she has to take an ibuprofen or something, but I mean, it's remarkable that it has continued to work really well. And I'll just share her dosing is somewhere between 75 and 100 milligrams a day of CBD. She's added in some of the other cannabinoids, CBDA, which is a very potent anti-inflammatory. Uh, she takes CBG, uh, which is cannabigerol, which is, uh, helps her with her mood. And she's just thrilled with it. And this is a person who was, you know, I have to share with you growing up, major league anti-cannabis. Well, she's fortunate to have you. (laughs) Yes, Uh, I know. But (laughs) one of the best experts in the country um, dispensing to her. So in the book, you also go into, I don't know if it's reading the label, but, you know, looking at the certificate of analysis, because there is a lot of, it's a plant, there's pesticides, there's solvents, there's residues that you need to look out for. Here in California, I think you go to the dispensary and it's going to be a tested product. If you, you go on the legacy market, it may not be, but people need to be aware of that. What other caveats or tips can you give people for shopping for product? Right. So if you Google a product and they don't have a website, that's a little buyer beware right there. They should have a website that has information about their products, about their process, um, and hopefully links or um, you know QR codes or something batch uh, COAs, certificate of analysis, as you mentioned. If a, a company says, "Oh, it's pro- uh, what we do is proprietary," uh, I would say that that's a little bit of a of a um, you know, something that I would say, maybe not so there, there's, 
not that many different things that you can do with cannabis to, you know, there are people that might argue with me about like nanotechnology or they're making it water soluble. And what I say about that is show me the science, show me the studies, show me the tests. Um, there's a few companies out there that say, oh, you know, we have a product that's absorbed quicker. Well, where's the study that shows that? You know, we can make any claims about unregulated CBD products. And again, that's kind of the quote hemp market, right? Uh, what sometimes people refer to as gas station CBD, but there's a fair amount of products on that market that are actually uh, quite good. How do you know that? Well, you look at the certificate analysis and sometimes I tell people, uh, try to buy different batches and compare and see if they look very similar. Because if they're wildly different, is that really what you want with your medicine is one month it's one cannabinoid profile and doesn't have pesticides and then you get the next batch and it's completely different uh you want consistency if it's medicine it should be consistent month to month so uh the companies that are long-standing that are transparent that have qr codes and and the coas readily available who share them readily with people um that's certainly something that I would uh, look for. It, it can be difficult. Um, one thing that I'm not a big fan of is like when they say CBD water or CBD in your coffee. I mean, the amount I, I someone once showed me a bottle of CBD water and had five milligrams of CBD in it. That's not really a dose. That's not really going to do much. It's certainly not going to harm you. But to me, that's more of a gimmick. I also saw CBD and nail polish. I don't really get why it would be there <laughs> or in clothing. And I just thought, well, okay, I get hemp for clothing, right? That's great. Sure. But I did not get why CBD would be in nail polish or clothing. So, you know, no. um, but again, when you're looking, take time to research the websites. If there's a phone number, call them, talk to somebody there. If they don't have a phone number, and they're not willing to talk to you, to me, that's a little bit of a red flag. Knowing what we know now about the endocannabinoid system, does it make sense to you to take a little CBD as a preventative, even before you have a condition? I would say yes. And the reason I say that is because, especially adults, and with children, I don't know that I would recommend that, but with adults, we all have stress. I don't know anybody who's not stressed out. It seems like this year particularly, and of course, there's a lot going on this year. And remember that your endocannabinoid system is responding to that stress, to sleep deprivation, to maybe you're not getting enough exercise, to your diet being a little bit off. And again, it's been an unusual year, but I do think that taking some CBD and look all I'm not into CBD that has no THC in it at all, unless you're being drug tested at your work or, you know, if you're in the military or something like that. But a little tiny bit of THC has been shown to be, uh, to that can be very helpful. And you're not going to feel it. That's what you have to remember. You're not going to feel that uh, THC, especially if the, the, the compound is dominant CBD. But remember, by augmenting the endocannabinoid system, it's kind of like you're giving your endocannabinoid system a little bit of a leg up to help you respond to these various stressors in your life, whether they be physical, mental, or both. And um, certainly, there again, there's no downside to it in those people who are taking uh, other medications that might interact 
And uh, right now there's lots of books out that talk about drug interactions that talk about it in my book. There's also websites where they'll have some information about drug interactions. Um, you can, um, uh, and especially if you're taking on the lower end of dosing, like I said, you know, under 50 milligrams or so, 25 milligrams or so, it's not going to be a dose in which you're really going to harm yourself. You want to be sure, if, again, if you're on medications, but I do think that it, it you, you may find over time it's helpful. There are some uh, uh, human uh, trials, again, from outside the United States where they looked at people taking some low-dose CBD for anxiety, and people found it to work. Now, again, anxiety is not something you can really measure uh, objectively, right? It's how you feel. So maybe just by taking something, you say, gee, I feel better because I'm taking it, right? Maybe it's a placebo effect, but maybe it's not. And maybe you might be giving your endocannabinoid system that little bit of, of boost that helps it. We know that yoga, meditation, um, a healthy diet, uh, exercise all helps boost your endocannabinoid system. So it's not just can the cannabis plant that does it. There's other modalities. And we know that. And again, I always tell this to people, if you are chronically stressed and chronically sleep deprived, your endocannabinoid system is likely out of balance and you kind of get into this vicious cycle. And it may behoove you to take cannabis in some form to help yourself break that cycle and, and, and get your endocannabinoid system up and up and running again where it can benefit you. That's not widely known enough. You do a good job of explaining that CBD is not psychoactive. It's not intoxicating. It's not intoxicating, it. right. It is yeah. psychoactive. There may be a... It works on your brain. It, anything psychoactive yeah. you should look at is it that it actually has some activity in the brain. So mm -hmm. it, it, that, it's a bit of a misnomer to say that THC is psychoactive and CBD isn't. CBD stops seizures. CBD helps with anxiety. That's a drug that's psychoactive. It's just not intoxicating. Right. And that's a, an important distinction to make. Is there anything we should cover that we haven't? Well, one of the things that sometimes people ask me is, how do I start the conversation with my physician? And I think one of the best things you can do is you can say to your doctor, because look, you won't be the first one and you sure as heck won't be the last one to say, hey, doc, how do you feel about medical cannabis or CBD? Now, there's still some doctors that are going to say to you, oh, absolutely not. I still have patients coming in to me with their child who's having 50 seizures a day on medication, on the 10th, 12th, 15th medication saying, absolutely not. And at that point, I'm like, well, you know, this is someone who's highly, you know, again, willfully ignorant and has not looked at the research for this particular situation. But if you ask your doctor, just feel it out. And if they say, I don't think so, I think it's all garbage, then especially if you like the doctor and you feel that they are your partner in health in your health care, it might help for you to print something out on, from either Google Scholar, which is a website where if you're not familiar with Google Scholar, it's kind of like Google Images and Google Shop. Google um, Scholar has articles, it's all the scientific articles. So you can go in and let's say you have uh, chronic pain or Parkinson's, you Google cannabis and Parkinson's or cannabis and chronic pain, something like that, or cannabinoids and, and print something out. And by the way, it also has dates. So you may not want to print something from 1970. You might want to look at the last five years, print it out or email it to your doctor and say, look, I, I found this and I'm just, I really want to know your opinion. You're my partner in healthcare. 
And maybe you're the one that actually might change this doctor's mind. You may, you may be the one to, to uh, put this on your doctor's radar. And again, because many of us are not taught about at medical school and because we're already deep into our medical practice, it just doesn't really come up. But I'm finding that the medical community is actually eager for information. And certainly, like I started out where my patients came in and those first probably four months of working in a medical cannabis practice, I learned so much from my patients. There's no reason we can't do that. But I joke around and I've heard other people say this, doctors have big egos, so you don't want to kind of march in and say, you should know about this and how come you don't know about this? Because you're probably not going to get a very nice response back. But if you say, hey, you're my partner in, in, in my health and I really want your opinion on this and I'm going to send you an article, can you tell me what you think? Hopefully, the doctor will embrace this and um, start their education. So I do think it's, you know, and I also say, and not just to sell my book, but my book was written not just for the layperson. It was written as kind of an introductory primer for doctors to say, this is a fairly conservative pediatrician who trained well and worked in the real world for many years, who then you know, came to uh, work in the medical cannabis field and has embraced it. And here is giving me her um, report on it. She's telling me what she has found. And Hopefully, um, again, try, try, just trying to, to put it on the table as an option because when you've got a condition that's just not responding or even if you just don't want to take harsh pharmaceuticals, this should be something on the table. And um, there's really no excuse anymore for a doctor to at least not have some understanding of how it can be used beneficially. That's great advice. And I do think if someone brings your book under their arm and shows it to their doctor, cannabis is medicine. It's right there in the title. How medical cannabis and CBD are healing everything from anxiety to chronic pain. There you go. Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, thank you so much for sharing your expertise. I'm going to urge everyone to buy the book because it's very concise and to the point and up to date. It's a great resource for anybody who cares about their health. Thank you for taking the time today. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Cannaboom Podcast with host Tom Stacy. If you like the show and want to know more, please check us out at Cannaboom with a K.com. And please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. See you next week.